I'm holding in my hand the book that I read last week. It is a novel titled The Reading, and it is by an old friend of mine, Barbara Monnier. Uh, and, on old. What? Go ahead, Rick. Well, no, this is this book. This old. book has to do with age, dear. Uh, this book has to do with age in a fascinating way. Rarely have I said about a book that it is at, at once literate and lyrical. And by saying those two things, I don't want to put anybody off. It is wildly entertaining and deeply thought-provoking, too, Barbara. You've really uh, outdone yourself. You and I have talked on the radio and I think in person a couple times about your previous novels, uh, you've really outdone yourself with this book. So can you take a compliment? Well, thank you. Can you take a compliment? I, I'm not that great at it, but I really do sincerely thank you. That means a great deal to me coming from you. Well, the, the uh, protagonist of this book is a writer named Esme, who is uh, in the name inspired by a famous, famous, famous Famous writer in his short story, uh, For Esme in Love and Squalor, uh, the writer, of course, being the elusive and, uh, to my mind, strange J.D. Salinger. Uh, what's the inspiration for this book, Missy? I have the feeling, I, I have the feeling that it is, there's a lot of you in here, yes? You know, it's funny. Everybody has that impression um reading this book and i would say not to be cagey but no more or less than any of the other books i've written um you know i do i'm always fascinated with where books or any art any creative endeavor for that matter what's the origin point sure sure the first the first kernel of the first kernel and this was based on an actual event. Um, I did have somebody come to a reading of mine before COVID. Uh-huh. I was doing some readings about the one-year anniversary time of my book, Pushing the River. Sure, which was a great and, book, too, by the way. Thank you. And somebody had flown in from Boston unbeknownst to me and was in the audience and oh had God. come <laughs> that would set me. me off too his name wasn't tom killarney as it is in this book no, is it okay no. you're protecting Cleverly disguised yes <laughs> wow um, and he by the way does know of this book he's read this book he's all in favor of this book but that you know why did that strike me as an event that could actually be the starting point of a novel, who knows exactly, but I really got captivated with the idea. And I really did get um, sort of caught up in the idea of this older writer going back and reflecting on this time of her life. And that's about as far as I went. And you won't believe this trick, but I actually... Then put it on on Facebook. I I put it out to the Facebook community saying, give me some ideas for a name of a main character who's young, she's precocious, she's sort of alienated. And I got hundreds of responses. Of course, of course. I also got yelled at. I just have to interject that a couple people 
social media being what it is, self-compelled to say I had no business writing if I couldn't think of the names of my oh, own characters. Oh, for God's sake. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, one of the great... But, yes, go ahead. But... So let me tell you that um, I made a short list, and <laughs> one of the names on the short list was, of course, Us May. Mm-hmm. And then I started researching things about the... I think I had narrowed it down to four names, and I came up with the J.D. Salinger short story, and I read it again, and I thought, okay, I think that's her name, and I'm going to try and work this around, sort of the loosely the structure and the themes um, oh, of the short sto- story. It is a good short and, story. I'm not, I'm not the oh, world's biggest Salinger fan, but that is a very, very fine short story. It really is. It really is. It packs a lot into a short, you know, it's economical, which I always love. Yes. Um, I try and, try and do it in my own writing. And it has very different sections mm-hmm. uh, with different tones, which I definitely tried to do in this book with the older voice. One of the, one of the you know, Barbara, one of the amazing things that you pull off in this book is the way it, it moves through time. I mean, you've got you've got here a 40 a some year gap between what you're writing and where you're going with this thing. And the voice, it doesn't alter that much, but it it's consistent with the time in which you're writing. That's a that's a high compliment. If you're if you're confused by my inarticulate, uh, uh, no, obser- I, that observation. wasn't inarticulate, and oh, okay, I followed good. you. That's that's exactly what I was going for, yeah. and I'm really trying to paint a picture of what would this person be noticing and thinking about mm-hmm. at this time in her life, and this time in world history, for that matter. Um, because it's 1973, 74. Mm-hmm. And how would that same person have grown, matured, changed yep. um, over time? But it is still the same person, and she does still notice the world in the same way. Yeah, I think I, you've done a remarkable job. When we come back after a a relatively short break, we'll talk about some of the men in Esme's life, Uh, Gino, Liam, uh, there are a number of them, Uh, and also about uh, Esme's parents, uh, the way in which the book begins i will do you mind if i read a little of this barbara when no, we come please back? Do. Please i'm gonna do. read a little and then i'll talk about the event barbara and i are having tuesday at the hideout where else that's the only place i have events uh and i'll be pleased to sit on stage with her and talk about it barbara we'll be back in a few minutes welcome back i'm going to keep uh author and my old friend barbara monier here for the rest of this half hour uh but that doesn't preclude you from being scared of the weather report not coming to the hideout <laughs> on Tuesday. We will be at the hideout yep. together. Uh, I've been there a million times. Uh, but I want, I want before we get back into the book, I want to read something that Barbara wrote in her fine, fine, and I mean really fine, uh, fifth novel, The Reading, about uh, she, her, her protagonist in here is Esme. Uh, And she's a relatively uh, well-known and successful writer. And she writes, beginning chapter one, I've been reading my books aloud to audiences and signing copies and shaking hands and making small talk 
for most of my life. I've never been able to figure out why I get so nervous sometimes. Pardon me. Barb, the show has been a little longer than normal, so my voice is getting kind of shot here. I'll read that later. Uh, Barbara, remind me when we met. You write in the book in your little author's biographical note, Barbara Monia has been writing since her earliest days when she composed in crayon on paper with extremely wide lines. She studied at Yale and the University of Michigan. And then somewhere along that line, you met me, didn't you? When did we first meet? Remind me. We met, I moved to Chicago in 1980. And I started working for Remains Theater in 1984 and met you right around then for the four years that I was working with Remains Theater. And um, what were you doing for Remains? I remember you were seeing, I remember you in the office when uh, the dog that I owned with my wonderful first wife, Jennifer, came to the office. Deadline. 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 The greatest (laughs) dog in the world. Well, there was a period of time when I was the only paid employee at Remains. <laughs> I can imagine. Short, short of cleaning the bathrooms, um, I was in in charge of trying to find material for them, new plays to look at. To a certain extent, I wrote grants. I was in charge of the grant writing, and I did along with Chris Peterson and some other helpers, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the advertising and marketing. So basically, other than the accounting, which we outsourced, pretty much everything that was done in the office. Were you writing Were you writing fiction at the time? I was. I had a very lengthy break when I was rearing children and and strange as it may sound, I didn't realize in this until more recently in my life, but I actually found being a parent to be very creative hmm. um, for me. Yeah. And I wrote until my son, who's my older, was probably getting close to two years old and then didn't write again until he was getting towards the end of high school. Wow. So, yeah. What was that? plus year break when because you had you had done some prize winning writing while you were in in a university as they say was it what was it like when you came back to it with uh with did you have renewed confidence or were you a little shaky when you came back to it well i'm not sure i have steely confidence yet <laughs> rick but <laughs> But then you're like I, then you're like ninety nine percent of all the authors I know. Exactly. I mean, it goes with the territory. Um, I had started out writing poetry, and I truly say this with no false modesty. I really do not know why I got the accolades for it. I did. I was <laughs> truly a terrible poet. There's a, um, there's a nice poem in this book, though. Well, I mean, that was my best 
attempt at what a what an 18 year old who was supposedly a pretty good 18 year old poet it's good yeah it's good it's good all right i'm going to read this line now uh, before we take another break and but i'm keeping barbara on this entire time you can go to her website barbara monier that's m-o-n-i-e-r author barbara monier author.com to see all of her books you've been on the show to talk about the two previous ones now i will read what I was planning to read before my voice went out. I've been reading my books aloud to audiences and signing copies and shaking hands and making small talk for most of my life. I have never been able to figure out why I get so nervous sometimes, jumpy and clammy and handshaking and other times not nervous at all. At those times, I feel comfy and relaxed, like every single person staring at me is a kind and kindred soul who wishes me nothing but the best. But this was one of the nervous times. She's talking about the time that she uh, meets the uh, re-meets the person she hasn't seen in 40-some 40, 40 years. Uh, it's a great beginning. We will talk more about uh, her fifth novel, The Reading, uh, in a couple minutes. As I said at the beginning of this interview about Barbara Monnier's latest novel, The Reading, it is not only literate and lyrical, and I don't want those two things to put you off, it is wildly entertaining and terribly thought-provoking, and I find and there are moments in here, uh, Barb, I don't want to give away too much, but that the letter that is delivered to Esme when she is five years old, which she cannot read till later in life, is just one of the most chilling uh, things. You don't even find out about it until later, but it's one of the most chilling things I've ever read. That's a remarkable uh, bit of writing from you. So another piece of praise for you. Thank you. And, you know, I have had several uh, readers who've asked me, why didn't you actually include the whole letter? And that her father wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your response is why I didn't. You don't need the whole, yeah, you you don't need any kind of, it is very much, uh, I find, to the point, to the chilling, sad uh, point. You do a remarkable job. When you go back in time, this, the whole college uh, section is what I'm going to call it. Is, is was that fun to write? It must have been, Barb. It was. Yeah, it was. And you know, I will tell you that uh, the real person who came to my reading that this novel is based on got in touch with me after he read the um, completed book, and he said, "Wow." I just can't believe how good your memory is. I don't remember any of that stuff. I just, your memory for detail, and I felt like that's because it's fiction. Yeah, you it should have said, wait a minute. Happened. Wait a minute. That wasn't me. That's not you. These are people I invented. I, much of this book, Barbara, was was obviously written during this uh, crazy two and a half years we've just lived. I, I do, I, I, I sense the shadow of the pandemic uh, here and there in the book. Is that, am I misreading? No, definitely. Uh, it is definitely there, and it's meant to, I mean, I love your description that it's a shadow. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be just sort of looming in the background yeah. and casting um, the one scene where the man has had the accident, yes. again, without, don't yeah. really a spoiler alert. 
But I really tried to write that with um, almost a surreal quality, mm-hmm. which is the mm-hmm. way everything seemed. Um, just so your audience knows what we're talking about, some of it is written at the beginning of COVID when we're in lockdown. Right. And it's so new, and everything has shut down, and very few people are even out and about. And nobody who is out and about is sure how to deal with one another. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right, Rick. It's meant to be, it's, it's not dealt with very intensively or terribly directly, but it looms. Yeah, I think, Definitely. Yeah, however you pulled that off, uh, you did so remarkably. Because I, I sense it, but I'm not beaten down with it. And I've, believe me, I've read a few novels in the last year or so where, where I'm beaten to death by by COVID. Talk to me about, uh, there are some, in the book, there are remarkable uh, uh, relationships throughout I find I, the most interesting relationship, I like some of these guys in here, but it, it's the single mother and Esme is the one that really, the book begins with uh, Esme's mother about to go in and see a doctor to find out uh, if, if she is pregnant with child. Uh, that's a complicated relationship, but I found it, uh, I like the mother. Should I? I'm serious. Well, I know it's not your mother. I know it's not your mother. Huh? No, it's not my mother. <clears throat> yes, I know. It's a f- work it's, of fiction, Barb. It's a work right. of fiction. Yes. <laughs> um, that's an excellent question. Um, she is, in many ways, very likable. Yep. And very dedicated to her daughter, and in many other ways, very off-putting. Yeah, and in and, her, and in many ways remote too. I thought yes, it's a weird combination yes. of loving and remote at the same time, yes. uh, which makes for, frankly, a fascinating, fascinating character. Good. I'm glad that's exactly what I was going for. Um, exactly what I was going for. And your question is completely to the point. Should you like her? And I think that's essentially the way Esme grapples with her mother that there is this intense bond because it has just been the two of them esme's father has been missing from the pictures since she was five years old and it is just the two of them and they have this very interconnected intense thing um and it's also fraught and they hide things from each other. Yeah, there's and, there there's there are secrets in this book. There are secrets in this book. Uh, I, I love the way in which too the Esme's. As I would like Esme, there's no question question about that. I might not fall in love with her, but I would certainly like her. Uh, when you're drawing characters and you are making characters do you barbara monier eventually feel comfortable with their voice eventually being the perfect word Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. you know when i start out any project but right now we're talking about the reading i don't know and there's the younger Esme and the older Esme, and they're the same person. But right. as you said, they're many years apart, uh, more than 40. Mm-hmm. 
um, I don't know them that well. And they have to just sort of inhabit me. And I let them do that and see what they ultimately teach me and tell me about who they are. And then that sort of drives what they say and do. Yeah, and you must. And, and there must be there must be in that in that process. I don't write a lot of fiction, but there must be in that process a real sense of uh, occasionally a real sense of surprise where, where you're. Oh, completely. Ta- yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking aback completely. And say, wow, that's the way you feel. That's the way she feels. Uh, it is. We've tried not to give away too much of the uh, a plot of this book. You will. It, uh, it is eventually, I think, it is uh, ultimately, to my mind, uh, quite uplifting. I think Esme sort of finds her, rediscovers herself. Is that an accurate sort of read? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. And, you know, I um, I thought that what my friend and Chicago writer Rita Dragonette wrote in her review. Oh, I love Rita. She's great. She's great. Yeah. And she said the ending is not so much a climax as a massive epiphany. And I think that was really well put. I do think it's it's well put. Yeah. Well, she's a smart, Rita's Rita's a smart, smart, smart writer and a smart critic too. She is. Barb, do you live here now? Where do you live? Here being in Chicago. I'm in, I'm in Evanston. That's close enough. Or, yeah, you don't have to be yeah. in the city. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that'll make it easier for us to have uh, this event Tuesday night at 7.30 at The Hideout. You can go to thehideoutchicago.com or just show up. I know what the crowd seems like there. Just show up, and uh, and we'll be talking more about the book and about, and about your career as a writer because I'm – I'm very curious. Do you feel part of some of the people commenting on your book very favorably on your website are, you know, Chicago writers I know. Do you feel part of that, you know, what passes for these days, the literary community in Chicago? Well, you know, of course, like everything else, the literary community took a big giant hit during COVID when all of the readings and salons and Chicago has a number of really great uh, salons that do monthly readings and all of that stuff shut down. And I think it's, it's almost all everything I know about is back up and running again, but some of it very recently. So I do not, I mean, I, I keep in touch with a lot of the Chicago writing community, like we always have in sure. writing, and um, but I don't feel as connected to it yet yeah. because it certainly is a goal as I did before COVID when yeah. I was really regularly going out and about and attending everybody's things. I get yeah. together with my writer friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and have a writer's group that's been very important in the writing of this book and important to me. But Chicago writing community, I, it's definitely a desire to get more 
settle no, into the, it. One of the other things about it is you're writing novels. I know a lot of people in the Chicago literary community who haven't written a word in 20 years, uh, and they just like to sit in saloons and talk, talk about books they may write. Barb, I got to tell you, this is a this is a great, great, great novel. The reading uh, it is. Uh, Filled with not just one, but a number of uh, remarkable characters who, once you meet them, you will never forget them. I can't wait to see you Tuesday. That'll be fun on stage. And the great thing there is I can talk about, we can talk more specifically about what happens in the book, and then we can make the people buy it. We can, and we can eat cake, because I'm going to get a really nice cake with a picture of the cover on it. Oh, fabulous. It's a cool cover. It's a cool cover. (laughs) Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see you. Okay, hon. We will meet on Tuesday. See you Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.